The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. Now, I recorded an interview with the Deputy Mayor of the City of Greater Geelong, Councillor Trent Sullivan, just before 9 o'clock because he had another engagement uh, during the program. Uh, So we'll play that now. And I began by asking him about, of course, the current lockdown, the fact that every time we talk to him, the situation seems to be changing. I mean, when we spoke to him two weeks ago, we were just coming out of a lockdown and now here we are back in lockdown once again. But also a bit of a complicated situation down in Point Lonsdale with some of Point Lonsdale in the City of Greater Geelong and other um, areas of Point Lonsdale in the borough of Queenscliff. And if you're in the borough, you're free, you're out and about. And if you're in the city of Greater Geelong, you're not. You're locked down. Yes, we'll certainly have to stop meeting like this, Mitchell. Uh, every time we talk, we appear to be coming out or going into another lockdown. Um, it is disappointing that we're in this position again, but hopefully it's just for a short time. Uh, some people believe this was inevitable, given our close contact with Melbourne and the, uh, and the, the how there is still transport of you know persons and freight between us. Uh, we do have a roadmap, though, however. The state was kind of to put that out on Sunday. Uh, there's been some mixed response, especially from the hospitality and tourism industry. Naturally, the tourism industry will have to be up and trading at the moment, especially with school holidays coming up. So it is very unfortunate that we are in this sudden lockdown. Uh, we are seeing, once again, a border dispute with now Point Lonsdale and Queenscliff communities. Um, this is nothing new for the greater region. Uh, Little River suffered from this greatly during the metro lockdowns, although the, the state was able to resolve that. Um, it's unfortunate that we're in lockdown. Um, it, I'm glad that people in Queenscliff can still go about their daily lives. They still have one of the highest vaccination rates in the country. Um, but it is, is unfortunate that we're suffering uh, from, from this split community uh, because of these lockdown standards. But uh, hopefully it's just seven days and we'll be able to come out of it and regional Victoria will be able to be start booming once again. And I assume pretty much all council services have shut down during this time? Just about, yeah, it is the, the standard shutdown. We've had to close our indoor and outdoor aquatic facilities, recreation, leisure facilities, community hubs, public halls, the Bull Museum, uh, the Carousel, Potato Shed, the Fort, Belmont Markets, uh, Custom Service Centres and public barbecues. There are also off limits at the moment. But childcare facilities are still open for vulnerable children and children of authorised workers and playgrounds, skate parks, basketball courts and exercise equipment are open. So get out there, get active and uh, try to stay positive. Uh, the City I see has put together a vaccination campaign and you're running ads talking about why people have decided to get vaccinated. I think we're doing quite well overall as an LGA compared to some parts of Victoria in terms of our vaccination rates. Absolutely. We're, uh, we're well ahead of the curve at the moment. I think the last results I had yesterday were we Geelong, for the greater Geelong area, uh, 82% first dose and 53 I believe, second dose. Uh, so we're ahead of, ahead of the Victorian average. But yes, recently I was proud to be taking part in the city's campaign to encourage community members to get vaccinated against this COVID-19. Uh, the city has teamed up with Bowen Health to deliver this campaign and it, it's about asking people, you know, to consider why they should get vaccinated. Um, I decided to get vaccinated because I wanted to welcome friends, families and visitors back to our beautiful region. Um, I consider myself a social person, outside person, and I want to get back to living that, that lifestyle. Um, other councillors uh, in the campaign spoke about their reasons, um, including to protect their family, the broader community, wanting to get back to a normal life. Uh, listeners might spot councillors, city staff and youth councillors 
and their reasons for vaccinations across billboards, signage, print advertising, social media. We're putting out there and we're really advocating for this. We want to get uh, vaccinated. We want to get back to normality. Uh, so that's the message we're putting out and we hope uh, it resonates from our community. It already is. We're seeing good results. But we want to have a very positive spin on this. Now, the city recently announced its financial result, and it seemed to be quite a good one, despite the challenges of the COVID-19 pandemic, $141 million in surplus. What does that say, given that, you know, if, for example, you weren't taking much parking revenue during that time, parking was free in the city, you were giving all of that support to businesses. Does that suggest that there's perhaps room to ease rates in the future? Yeah, it's a very interesting one. Uh, financial accounting uh, and literacy, can, can, you can sort of spin the numbers almost any way we'd like. But in our annual financial report this year shows that we posted a $7.9 million operating deficit from last year. Uh, the result is reflects a difficult environment caused by COVID-19. But straight off the bat, um, I would have said to you that on the figure that uh, we had a surplus of $141.6 million, it's actually a, a windfall. So of that figure, $99 million is attributed to non-monetary assets which were gifted by developers, such as new drainage, uh, roads and footpaths. So these are assets which have transferred from ownership uh, that, that developers are required to build in our community and they've transferred to the city's ownership. So that's $99 million there. And a further $34 million was from developer cash contributions uh, which we have to put back into the communities, into new facilities and infrastructure of these new suburbs that have been built. So just about 134 of that um, was just a handing over of assets, which is actually something that we now, as a community of the council, have to spend money on maintaining. Um, so that's something that's actually going to cost us a bit of money into long term. Um, but so we have no total of a $3.1 billion worth of assets, assets which the city has to look after. Um, I'd, I'd love it if I could look at the books and say, you know, we've overcharged residents. Uh, let's give some money back to them. Um, but at the moment, apparently, it's, most of it is actually just asset handover, which forms that $141 million. So the city is actually posting an operating deficit this year and next year. I'm hoping to return to surplus in the next uh, four years. Uh, whilst we are doing this, we are putting a record investment into capital infrastructure, over $700 million over the next four years. Um, and this is to stimulate the economy as much as we can to get buildings built, to have, have employment, and to really boost our local economy. So whilst we're doing all that, whilst it says we're putting $149 million surplus, it's really just asset transfer and the, uh, but the, and the government, or the state government, or actually us as well, are just putting everything we can back into the community. Now, I see in the paper today that there's talk that the uh, consultation process around Packington Street, which we spoke to about two weeks ago, that's going to be extended because you want to hear more from the community. So it's been extended until 5 o'clock Friday. Is that right? That is correct. Um, this uh, project with the UDF for Packard Street has actually been out for quite a while. It's approaching 12 months and was reaching the end of its, co- of its uh, community engagement. Um, but we've had a real surge. Um, it seems like, you know, <laughs> the message is actually finally get out there. A lot of people are picking up and going, oh, hang on a second. I'm actually interested in this. I've got some thoughts or some concerns. And we're seeing it. We saw a huge surge um, of people you know, raising their voices, you know, giving us some feedback. So we've decided to extend that to the end of this week to make sure that everybody gets a chance uh, to, to to have their say, to put in their feedback. Uh, the, the the result of how many people are giving the information has been uh, fantastic. It's really had this this massive surge, as I've said. So we need to make sure that we give everybody the, the opportunity and the equal chance uh, to be heard. Do you know when we'll actually see the results of that consultation published? 
Um, oh, I imagine me uh, probably a month or so, I'd say, um, after the closure. Normally it takes uh, a few weeks for it to collate and come back to the chamber. Uh, but that's when we'll, we'll see the results. The Lara Lakeland's Reserve Initiative, tell us about that. Yes, yeah, so this is a fantastic positive one the city's undertaking. So we're currently on the hunt for tenderers to build a clever and creative treatment wetland um, in Lara. Now, the Lara Lake... Lakelands Reserve Initiative is one of the highest priority stormwater projects we have in the city. Uh, it's a $2.25 million project that will see the wetland expanded by about 6,000 square metres. You know, it will create more native vegetation and bird habitat that would be preserved, which will also make it even better space for the community to enjoy. Now, urban stormwater will be directed to the new wetlands for filtering before reaching the existing southern wetlands. So everything's going to be that's existing now will be protected. Um, earthworks to shape the wetland uh, will happen about between March to August next year. And we're using that time frame to avoid interrupting the migration and nesting habits of the Latham's snipe shorebird. Um, then aquatic-based species of plants will be planted from September to February. Uh, that's 2022 to 2023. And we encourage everybody to head to australia.com.au forward slash tenders for more info. But this is a fantastic way where we're creating more observing or creating and preserving existing uh, bird habitat um, because we have some fantastic natural resources everywhere from the wetlands that are existing now in the north to Lake Connawarra. And we've got to make sure that it's a top priority to protect and expand on these areas. A lot of interest in the Ballerine Aquatic Facility and whether it's indoor or outdoor, but I see that you've actually put together, there's a bit of an overview of what the facility might look like, and I believe that's out to tender now. Is that right? Absolutely. The recent uh, release of the construction tender is another exciting step uh, towards having the much much needed 50 meter eight lane outdoor pool on the north ballerine it's a 15 million dollar aquatic facility in drysdale and will feature all abilities change facilities a kiosk tiered covered seating shade structures the whole shebang um and it is stage one of this aquatic center so we've listened to a range of suggestions from the local community and if we find the site while working to meet the requirements of the funding agreement with the Australian government, which was $10 million specifically to build a 50-metre outdoor pool. Now, for too long, the Bellin community has had, in, had inferior access to aquatic facilities compared to other areas of Geelong. Uh, so we've listened and we want to get construction underway as soon as possible. We definitely do not want this project delayed. Um, we're seeing massive demand right across the municipality for outdoor pool. Kadenia pool is now open uh, year-round when we're out of lockdown. Uh, Lara Outdoor has had its hours extended, and we're, gonna, we're imagining, or we're actually just imagining, we're, we're foreseeing where there's, there's going to be huge uh, demand and huge you know, access to this pool when, when it is finished. And I said it is stage one. The design has been specifically you know, incorporated to allow uh, the development of a stage two indoor facility, uh, indoor court facility, which we are currently campaigning to for the uh, state and federal governments to make happen. Um, that's a key advocacy point for, the, for this uh, city council. Uh, we want to have stage one delivered. We want this pool in the ground and people to use it. And then we want to keep pushing the cause, stage two, indoor pool, hydrotherapy, the whole shebang. Uh, Aquatic resources are extraordinarily important for our community and some missions north of the Bellarine. And uh, coming up in October, you've got the Geelong Seniors Festival. I'm assuming that's going to be in big parts online due to the situation we find ourselves in now. Is that right? 
Yeah, so it's, they're saying it's festival uh, returns next month, which is fantastic. And it's got more than 30 online events on offer for the community members aged 55 and over. Um, as we continue to navigate the challenges of COVID-19, uh, it's so important that older community members don't miss out on the opportunities to connect with others. Uh, there's at-home activities that include uh, kits for knitting, rocker, flower arrangements to enjoy, and there's uh, free virtual recipe cookbooks uh, celebrating multicultural food, um, our virtual music entertainment uh, by, by certain providers, uh, all these sessions online on you know how to gain confidence and learn the importance of cyber safety, and the chance to hear and learn stories behind some amazing items at the Geelong Heritage Centre's archive. Uh, so there's a program and event list that's released. Uh, head to geelongaustralia.com.au forward slash seniors festival. Um, looking, I'm sure we're going to get great numbers. And Geelong Design Week comes up in March 2022, is that right? Absolutely. Applications are open from organisations, community groups and individuals to host events for Geelong Design Week 2022. Uh, the theme is belonging, which is so important um, in this current day and age. Uh, Geelong Design Week will be held from the 17th to the 27th of March and will showcase how design can respond to our need to belong and how we can create places and environments that are really accessible to all. Um, events of this site include art, design exhibitions, workshops, virtual reality tours, fashion collaborations, sustainable building workshops. Uh, the list goes on and on. So please, anybody interested, uh, head to the Geelong website again and check it out. And finally, the Geelong calendar, my votes are in for the uh, photos that are going to be on the calendar. I believe you've got the final 26 photos and uh, you're looking for some help from the community to get their votes into shortlisted down to the actual final 13. Absolutely. I knew you'd be well across this one, Mitchell. Um, voting is underway. We've had a tough job of shortlisting the entries, of which there was over 1,300, uh, down to 26 images. Uh, we have just been absolutely blown away by the quality of photos that have been taken for this. We have astounding uh, local talent um, <laughs> in the arts and culture. Um, each year, the competition proves just how uh, talented uh, the region is. And just how beautiful our part of the world truly is. So I look forward to seeing the uh, final images uh, selected by the community, including the cover. Uh, all votes need to be submitted on our website by 5pm, Monday the 27th of September. And this calendar will then be delivered to households right across the Greater Chong area on mid-December. So please check it out. Have a look at the images. Uh, they're, they're spectacular and uh, provide your votes. Well, thanks very much for being on the program and uh, talk to you again soon. Pleasure, Mitchell. Thank you. Councillor Trent Sullivan there, the Deputy Mayor of the City of Greater Geelong. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.